stay prepared for the up and down life is like a seesaw some say it's a bitch man what's going on guys this is just another critic back with another episode we have week four takeaways it is 1 24 a.m uh, my time right now on a sunday going into the nfl sunday College football Saturday is just finishing up with the game in Hawaii, and I wanted to get these takeaways done because I got a lot of fresh thoughts on my mind. Um, amazing games this weekend, guys. Amazing games, amazing finishes, incredible comeback um, by UCLA in that Washington State game. Um, but as far as my, my takeaways go, lots to cover. First game I wanted to touch on, that USC-Utah game. If you saw my picks, I had USC pick 31 to 27. The final ended 30 to 23. Utah, they hadn't seen anyone yet, right? And I talked about how they would have to get caught up to game speed as far as playing against that type of competition. And that's why I felt like they would struggle in this game um, because they had been, they're going to, that's basically they came into the game sluggish because they had been dealing with cupcakes on a week-to-week basis. USC had already played some had played some better competition. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say BYU. That was just, you know, an away game, tough game, playing at higher elevation. But USC ended up playing Stanford. Um, overall, I just think they played better opponents. Utah coming off of cupcakes with NIU and Idaho State, feeling real good about themselves. Uh, but obviously, in this matchup, USC has a lot of talent. And uh, that was on full display. Friday night, USC got the dub, 30-23. to 23. Um, And that Utah team, while they're still very good, they, they have just shown that they have a tough time uh, beating USC on the road, right? They're 0-5 now after this Friday at the Coliseum. Um, and, uh, man, if it wasn't going to, if, if not this year, when is Utah going to get over the hump? We don't know. We're not sure. What What is it going to take? Still a lot of questions as far as, you know, what's going to get them to the point um, as far as, you know, putting them back in that Pac-12 championship picture. Of course, they still have a chance um, depending on how USC's season plays out. But at this point, USC's looking like the favorite. Um, that was Friday, pretty much the biggest game of the night. Boise State uh, also beat out Air Force, and Louisiana Tech beat out, uh, I believe it was FIU, Florida International. Moving over to Saturday, lots of big-time matchups. Obviously, the Auburn-Texas A&M game, Texas-Oklahoma State, Michigan-Wisconsin, and uh, UGA-Notre Dame. What I want to go ahead and do is first talk about my upset alerts was... The upset alert picks were SMU versus TCU. SMU got the upset. Second one was Appalachian State versus UNC. App State got the upset. And then my last one was Florida versus Tennessee. So I got two out of three this week. My upset picks are looking pretty consistent on a week-to-week basis. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on as I continue to do these predictions. Wanting to start at the top... uh, of the list at the 25th ranked team, TCU, who lost today against SMU. No surprise here at all. Um, Obviously, I had them in my upset alert picks. And coming off a win versus a Purdue team without their starting quarterback, Elijah Sindelar, who was accounting for roughly 80% of their production, um, 500 uh, passing yards per game. And obviously, a big part of their their, uh, offense is Rondell Moore. 
But if you don't have the guy in the pocket to, to get him the ball in space, he's just not going to be as effective. So that that really um, that win over Purdue didn't really tell me a whole lot because Purdue was missing a very a few critical pieces to the team as a whole, not only on offense but as well as on the defense. Arizona State at 24, coming off a win against Michigan State. I said it after that game. I will continue to say it. They were overrated. They didn't deserve a 24 spot. Um, I mean, being 3-0, they deserved the spot, but they weren't ranked. They weren't uh, good enough as a team to be in the top 25, if you just look at them, right? The eye test, as they call it. Uh, like I said, I'm no expert. I don't you know, expect you guys to see me as one. I'm just another critic. So going up against Colorado, if you look at my picks, guess what? I had Colorado beating Arizona State. Though I thought the score would be lower, I had it at 23 to 20. All my picks are on Instagram. I post them every week uh, before the game starts. So if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's just another critic. And you guys will continue to get those predictions every single week from the top 25 teams that are playing in that week. Uh, Moving up to Cal. Cal put on a great performance against Ole Miss. Defense was stout as expected. Carried a heavy load. Evan Weaver uh, closed out the game with, I believe, 22 tackles, 18 solo. Ridiculous, ridiculous linebacker. Uh, one of the best in the country um, at this point. Ole Miss still trying to figure out who their who their quarterback is, where their offense is going to come from. Defense played. They're playing a lot better in general this year, which I expected them to do with returning uh, 10 starters on that side of the ball. So overall, Cal at this point, they're really just the the only ones left that actually have a shot to make a undefeated run to you know put themselves in the college football playoff picture because the rest of the contenders have a loss on their um, on their resume and so it's like Cal who was the least likely you know nobody was talking about them in preseason and pretty much for good reason we knew their defense was there but offensively we just weren't sure what to expect so still. That is the big question mark when it comes to Cal. We know their defense is there. Justin Wilcox, who you know uh, did a did a good job at Wisconsin, and then pretty pretty much brought his ideas from that uh, as a defensive coordinator to California, and has shown that he's able to implement that pretty well. And so Cal's looking good. We'll see what they can do moving forward. Moving up to 22, Washington took on BYU. A lot of people thought BYU was going to hang in there um, and they were going to put Washington on upset alert. But an interesting note is that BYU had been um, going through some tough games, some very tough games, obviously starting off with Utah, getting beat up, going to Tennessee, overtime, uh, having USC at home, another overtime. And so it was... They were they were they were worn down. They were completely worn down. Washington, I think, uh, I do think they would have beat BYU regardless if this was the first game of the season. But I definitely think those those past two games, the Tennessee and the USC game, going to overtime definitely took a toll on the Cougars. Um, and so Washington had a dominant win there. But we'll see what Washington can do. They still got a lot stiffer competition coming up as the season moves along, but right now Eason has had a, a good bounce back right from that that poor showing against California, and so we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Washington's looking good. Um, Pac-12, right? So we'll see what happens in the Pac-12. 
Virginia at 21, they took on Old Dominion, struggled, struggled. Old Dominion at one point, I believe they're up 17 to 7. Um, eventually, Virginia, you know, made the comeback. But man, what's going on, Virginia? The thing for me, Virginia, uh, as we all expected coming into the season, the hype behind Virginia was the NFL draft prospects in the secondary that they brought. And that was kind of their uh, their strength, right? Strength of the team. And so just seeing the defense give up those big plays early uh, was kind of surprising. You know, maybe they just had a hiccup. I don't know. You know, the ACC is kind of weird right now. We're getting Florida State competing against Virginia one week, um, losing or, you know, having close games with University of Louisiana Monroe. They ended up nearly blowing a game today against Louisville. And so the ACC is kind of just like the stock market. It's kind of up and down. Um, Obviously, we know the king of the hill right now is going to be Clemson. Um, But after... After today's showing by Virginia, who I thought would challenge Clemson, I guess it's just still going to be Clemson. So moving up to number 20, I talked about Boise State a little bit earlier in the podcast. Yeah, they took on Air Force. Air Force looks like a very good team, and they might see Boise again in the Mountain West Conference uh, championship game. Air Force, really good. Quarterback um, looked like he was cramping up late, but they still kept him on the field, which was a poor decision by the coaching staff. Um, it looked like it was a leg. He had an issue with his leg, and they're having him throw the ball. And so if you know anything about throwing a ball and you know playing the quarterback position, when you throw the ball, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of that that pace on the ball is going to come from your base and your stance and your feet. So he wasn't able to set his feet. And he wasn't able to step into the pass where and then he threw an interception because it was just a weak throw. And so I don't know why they didn't sub him out, bring in the second guy who's arguably the better thrower of the two. Anyway, I think Air Force would be a good team this year. Boise State looks solid again, finished that game strong, uh, 30 to 19. But that game was a lot closer than the store, uh, than the score indicates. So keep an eye out for Air Force. They'll be making some noise this year in the group of five. Moving up to 19, Washington State coming off a win versus Houston, which I said wasn't very impressive. Uh, Houston, a very poor defense, and they only put up 31 on them. We already know what Oklahoma did to Houston. So, you know, obviously I'm going to compare and contrast and take from that. They took on UCLA and Washington State was at home. UCLA was down 49 to 17 in the third. Let that sink in. Came all the way back. DTR, former wide receiver at Bishop Gorman, turned quarterback, stepped up tonight. Anthony Gordon for Washington State threw for nine touchdowns, 500 plus yards. I don't really care because UCLA's defense is complete garbage. And when he sees a real defense, I don't see him doing this at all. UCLA, DTR, absolutely shredded that Washington State defense. And that's what you get with a Mike Leach uh, type team. You get a Big 12 team who can throw the ball, but they don't play defense. So... UCLA upsets Washington State 67 to 63. 130 points scored in this game. Ridiculous. Washington State, two to three loss team. If I didn't already say it about uh, Arizona State, two to three loss team. Um, I don't expect them to 
this to be their only loss on the season. I never really bought this Washington State team because they hadn't played anybody yet, and they still haven't played anybody yet. So moving up to 18, we had Iowa. They had a bye this week up to 17, Texas A&M. They took on Auburn at home, College Station. A lot of people thought that would be a big advantage to them, which so did I, and so did you, and so did the rest of us, which makes a lot of sense because that place gets rocking. The thing is, Auburn didn't. Auburn came into the game with no fear and literally just, they just dominated on the edges offensively and they used their speed, their, you know, Olympic speed from Anthony Schwartz and a handful of other guys, Eli Stove, um, you know, whoever else they're using in the backfield and they're just beating them outside to the edges, winning on the edges and because they knew Texas A&M was strong inside from that Clemson game, right? They they shut down Etienne, Travis Etienne. And so they came in with a very good game plan. The, the surprising thing for me was more so A&M in general, not necessarily in this game, but offensively as a whole throughout the season. Because we just expected more from them, we expected them to be better compared to a season ago where they looked phenomenal at times, right? And they played their best football at home. We did not see that today. We did not see A&M bring their best at home versus the, versus the Auburn team who had a lot of question marks offensively. I personally questioned them as well. I didn't think Bonex was ready for this game. I didn't think he would, you know, uh, do enough to get them over the hump playing in enemy territory, especially after how he performed against Oregon at a neutral field. And this was going to be in you know, at A&M, at College Station. Um, I didn't check the box score. I didn't check the statistics. But, you know, obviously, Bonix didn't light it up. But he he made the throws he, need to make, he needed to make. And he did the things that was required of him in order to get his team the win. And so, very surprising win from Auburn. That was the only pick of the big games that I got incorrect. Um... My final score on that one was actually Texas A&M 27-20, but Auburn won 28-20. Crazy. So my scores, man, watch out for those things. They're pretty dang close. Uh, Moving up to 16, we had Oregon taking on Stanford. Very ugly, sloppy, slow, sluggish game. Um, Check that alliteration. But yeah, guys, I mean, it was just, you know, weird. Oregon... Oregon is not looking dominant right now. And if they're going to want to even have a slight chance at putting their name in the hat at the end of the year as far as, you know, possibly finding their way into a college football playoff spot, they need to dominate every single Saturday against every single opponent. I don't care who it is, Stanford, Montana, whoever the heck it is, they need to be winning by four, five, six touchdowns minimum, especially with one loss on your resume, to an Auburn team who's looking pretty good, but they are looking beatable. Auburn does look beatable right now. They don't look unstoppable. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say right now about Oregon. They've they've still got tough games ahead. Um, so they're going to be tested. They're going to have the opportunity to to maybe earn that right 
to be in the college football playoff. And so we'll see how it plays out. We're in week four, going into week five. Moving up to 15, we got UCF beat a Stanford team at home, 45-27 to the week before. Took on Pitt today. And this was a game that I felt like was a trap game. And that I wasn't sure if we were going to get the Pitt from last year or the Pitt from the Penn State game, right? Because Pitt lost to Penn State 17-10. to And if you guys watched the game or you saw the scores, we obviously got the pit from Penn State. And they they looked really shaky at times. Obviously, UCF is a big play ability type team, very explosive. And they're beating Pitt over the top. At one point, Pitt was up 21-0. And then next thing you know, UCF was up 24-21. to And so it was it was crazy how things, uh, you know, flipped on Pitt. But at the end of the day, they they came together, they rallied, and they they ended up winning on the Philly special. Crazy enough, they called it the Pitt special or whatever they called it, but we all know it was the Philly special. Come on now, um, yeah, man, UCF, man, they go down. I, I believe is the first loss in the resi- uh, regular season in over three years, something like that. Don't quote me on it, but yeah, great game, but yeah. First uh, true freshman in enemy territory at Pitt. We thought he was going to pull it out. Didn't. Unfortunate. Dylan Gabriel, the Hawaii man. Uh, he's got a lot of potential. True freshman. I think he'll bounce back. UCF will still have a great season. But obviously, that pretty much takes away a lot of their swag, right? Because at the end of the day, UCF was trying to push the limits just as Boise State did. Um, you know, in years past to try and break through for those group of five teams and put them into the conversation of possibly getting them into the national championship, which was in the past for Boise State, and now fighting for a college football playoff spot, which doesn't seem to be in reach with the way that things are set up. Um, Like I said, I think UCF is going to go ahead and finish out a great season and probably have this as uh maybe their only loss on the year i could see maybe one more loss depending on how uh this team shows up at that night because they got temple and houston as well as cincinnati and so we'll see how they they play out but a very good team in general um ucf will be very competitive for the next few years moving up to 13 penn state had a bye tied at 13 wisconsin Right, the big matchup of the morning of the Big Ten taking on Michigan. If you watch this game, pure dominance, pure dominance. If you listen to my podcast, my final score on this one was Wisconsin 34, Michigan 17. Final score was Wisconsin 35, Michigan 14. Wisconsin absolutely dominated this game from start to finish in all phases of the game. Dominated at the line of scrimmage. uh, Jonathan Taylor had 143 yards, two touchdowns in the first quarter. Left the game with cramps. Did not play the second quarter. Came back in the second half. Got himself 200 yards. And basically let uh, the second and third string running backs get reps. We we brought in Nakia Watson, who is a 
sophomore. We brought in Bradrick Shaw, who is a senior. We brought in uh, Groshek, who's been with our team for who knows how long. He's been here forever at Wisconsin. Groshek, uh, number 37. So we rotated through about four guys. And so imagine if JT, Jonathan Taylor, didn't didn't cramp up. This dude probably would have went for 300 yards, three or four touchdowns. Um, so amazing day by JT. Defense looked great. Unfortunate uh, targeting calls by two of the safeties, which eliminated them, ejected, and which eventually led to Michigan scoring their first touchdown. Um, but... Um, Defensive coordinator Leonard, he basically brought in the reserves uh, late in the fourth quarter to uh, pretty much get them some game experience, and that's where the second touchdown came in, garbage time. Uh, man, this Wisconsin team looks really impressive. Obviously, we knew what they had with Jonathan Taylor. We know what they have when it comes to O-line. They just produce it every year. What I talked about in my podcast was the sleeper unit which wasn't going to be talked about, is their wide receiver core, which played a big part in moving the chains, as well as Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn, man, amazing day. Two touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. 123 yards or so through the air. 13 of 15, very efficient. And that's all Wisconsin needs. They need a quarterback who is smart, who is able to make the pass when he's asked to, who's able to limit mistakes, and who's able to take what the defense gives him. And so big-time, big-time uh, addition at quarterback with Jack Cohn, very smart player who was a former lacrosse recruit to Notre Dame, turned down that uh, scholarship. I believe he was a top-10 lacrosse recruit, something like that. Um, and you can see that in his athleticism. I mean, he is not any, you know, he's not, comparable to anybody like Russell Wilson or anything like that. Um, but he's a lot more mobile than your typical Wisconsin quarterback. Great performance by Wisconsin. Love what I'm seeing. Bright future ahead. They will compete for the Big Ten Championship, um, which will likely be against Ohio State. So they're probably going to see Ohio State twice this year, once in the regular season, in the second time in the Big Ten Championship. Moving up to 12 We've got Texas beat out Rice a week ago, smashed them, got Oklahoma State this week. My final score on that for the predictions was 41 to 38, Texas. Texas wins it 36 to 30. Um, no surprise here. Um, it, was, it was pretty much a back and forth game, quarterback, quarterback, um, with wide receivers obviously making plays, Tylen Wallace. A handful of guys over on the Texas side. I mean, you can name them all. They're all making plays out there. Ellinger, of all of them, making big-time throws, scrambling, gaining yards. Oklahoma State, man, they they took it down to the wire. I mean, Texas was up by two scores at one point. But Spencer Sanders, man, redshirt freshman, he's going to be a problem in the Big 12 for the for the years to come. But, yeah, Texas won, looked good. Pretty much at this point, man, it just looked like another Big 12 football game. Defense inconsistent. Offense there, as expected. Uh, Very explosive. 
explosive players on both sides of the ball. But yeah, Texas looked good. Practically looked the same as they did against LSU. Oklahoma State looked better at times on defense, but like I said, inconsistent from both sides, which we're used to seeing from Big 12 sides. So we'll see. Um, The big game moving forward is going to be Texas taking on Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State taking on Oklahoma because we might see this matchup again of Oklahoma State and Texas if Texas beats Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. That'll be two losses and Oklahoma State would have one loss, Texas one loss, and then they run it back. Um, Because at the beginning of the season, Oklahoma State was my sleeper pick to make the Big 12 championship, and I still still think they have a strong shot at doing it. Moving up to 11, we have Michigan. Obviously, a lot of hype surrounding this team as it's it's just a continued narrative, right? Overhyped underperforming and I real I really feel really feel bad for Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a great guy, great coach. Um he's done a lot for the program. If you look at where this team was before he came in and took over, the recruiting wasn't near uh even close to what it's at. The the number of wins that they're consistently getting on a year to year basis wasn't where it's at. Um I understand that you know, the fan base isn't happy with what he's accomplished this far because it's it's Michigan. That's a, That comes with a big responsibility, coaching at a school like that, bringing in the recruits you're bringing in and not performing to the level that they know you can perform to with those types of players that you're bringing in. And so the question that they're posing, right, is it sounds like they want Jim Harbaugh out But if you take out Jim Harbaugh, who do you insert? Because like I said, before Harbaugh was here, Michigan wasn't looking very good. I mean, I get it. They're not looking great right now, but they're they're winning roughly 10 games a a year since he's got since he's gotten to Michigan. So uh, Michigan's not looking, you know, like Michigan. I thought they were a lot better last year. They had a better identity. This year, they I'm not sure who they are. They don't know who they are. Defensively, they look... They're still, they're still pretty good, right? They're still pretty good. Um, obviously, that's not going to... The, the way that Wisconsin completely annihilated them doesn't support my argument, but at the same time, people aren't giving enough credit to Wisconsin. They won't give enough credit to Wisconsin even after this game because they're going to say, oh, well, Michigan's you know a crappy team. They didn't play anybody yet. But they were saying that before this Michigan game, and this Michigan game was supposed to be the team that is somebody. So Michigan, I still think they have the potential to be better once they figure out who they want to be. It looked like they were kind of figuring that out late in the game. They were just throwing the ball downfield a lot more, a lot of back shoulder throws, um, and just putting it up for those for those wide receivers who are big names, DPJ, uh, Tariq Black. You got uh, the other guy who I can't remember, but I believe he's number, number four, another good player, and then number eight was making plays. And so they just got to figure out who they want to be and be it. Because right now they don't know who that is. they don't know who they want to be, and that's showing on the field every single Saturday. And so 
Um, we'll see. We'll take it week to week. We'll see what Michigan can do, but they need to figure it out fast, uh, not only for this season, but for um, the future of the program, right? And so moving up to 10, we had Utah. Like I said, they played Cupcake Idaho State the week before. FCS team came into this game sluggish against USC as I expected, and they they lost, man. Zach Moss, I love his style of running, but as I said in the pregame, it is not conducive to having a long career as a running back. He runs very hard, very physical, but with that comes consequences, right? I mean, we love to watch it as fans, but as a player, you got to protect yourself. And so, especially if he's wanting to, you know, take his game to the next level, eventually be an NFL a running back, he's just got to know when to take those hits, know when to put himself in harm's way and get those extra yards, and know when to just get out of bounds or go down and uh, be smart in protecting himself. But like I said, Utah, the the question mark for me was going to be the the passing game. The crazy thing coming into this game was the narrative behind Utah's defense and how dominant they were expected to be at the line of scrimmage against USC's O-line. The narrative that we finished the game with was USC's D-line dominating Utah's O-line. Crazy, right? And it's no surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. USC has the talent everywhere. That defensive line... They're getting better as the weeks go on. And once again, noting back to my preseason picks, one of my sleeper units of the year was the USC defense. Very young, but lots of potential. And so people call me crazy until it happens, right? And these things are continuing to happen. Continuing to happen. So guys, pay attention. I'm throwing out clues for you. Moving up to nine, we had Florida beat Kentucky in a close one, lost their quarterback, Felipe Franks, out for the season, brought in Kyle Trask, brought in Tennessee, the Volunteers. Were they going to, you know, be able to make a game out of it, especially with the way, you know, Florida came out of that Kentucky game? Hard-fought game. Tennessee coming off a big win against uh, Chattanooga. But Tennessee, they didn't show up this Saturday. Not today. Got beat up by Florida 34-13. to Florida defense is legit. That's about the only thing that I think is legit about Florida. Um, I do think they have phenomenal, phenomenal athletes. A lot of great football players on that team. But I don't think they've figured it out um, as far as how to piece it together. It looks like they figured it out. But in my opinion, they haven't really played anybody yet. You might say, yeah, but they played Kentucky. Look at how Kentucky looked today. They just got beat up by Mississippi State. A Mississippi State team who just lost to Kansas State. So, I don't know. Have they played anybody yet? I wouldn't. In my opinion, I'm not going to say yes. So, uh, we'll see moving forward if they can continue to get better as the weeks go on. Like I said, I believe that defense is for real, just not sold on the team as a whole. They've got the guys, but can they put the guys in the positions that they need to be in order for this team to succeed? We're going to find out. Moving up to eight, we had Auburn. They had Kent State a week ago. Nice blowout. But like I said in my in my uh, predictions, 
I didn't I didn't see them throwing throwing the ball a lot. I didn't see them uh I don't know, I didn't see a lot from this Auburn offense that told me, wow, they're gonna go in there and they're gonna beat up AM at home. I didn't see that. And that's what happened. AM got beat up at home. I mean the score is twenty eight to twenty, but it really wasn't that close late. Texas AM got some late touchdowns. But the whole game overall is practically dominated and uh, predicated on the performance of Auburn's defense. That defense looked amazing, man. They're 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 holding uh pretty much they pretty much had AM on lock for about three quarters. And so Kellen Mon, I don't know, man. This guy just disappeared. Who is this guy, right? Who is this guy that we got in 2019? Is it just because 2018, it was kind of a fresh thing? You know, we're getting to know this guy, who he is, how he plays. And now that they've got film on him, it's just a whole different story. That may be the case. I don't know. Maybe there's lingering injuries that we don't know about. There's a lot of unknowns. But right now, Auburn went into A&M's house, beat him down. Beat him down. The, the score doesn't indicate that, but it was a dominant performance. Um... Yeah, great win by Auburn. Great win by Auburn. I still don't think uh, you know, they're they're going to be able to compete with the Georgias or with the Alabamas or but Auburn Auburn's got Bama at home, so who knows. I've been wrong. I was wrong this weekend. I could be wrong again. All right. We'll see what happens. Number 7 Notre Dame coming off a big win versus New Mexico. Talked about it in the predictions. Was not sold on Ian Book at all. I don't think I'm still really sold on the guy. Really am not. Uh, he looked really flustered, right, in, in his previous games leading up to this this week versus Georgia. In the pocket, he really looked like he, he, he just wants to scramble. And he's throwing really inaccurate balls, bad ball placement to his receivers. But guess what? Tonight versus Georgia, dude showed up out of nowhere. Like I was watching the game. I said, where did this Ian book come from? Given a lot of his throws were just underneath throws to his tight end, basically who was completely wide open. I don't know how Georgia didn't catch on to this quicker. That's practically all he was throwing underneath to the tight end. And they weren't marking him. They were not marked. I just didn't get it. Anyway. Um, yeah, Ian booked, Ian book had, a. Uh, Pretty good game. I'll, I'll give him that. He had a pretty good game, but Georgia, man, we'll talk to we'll talk we'll talk about them when we get to them. But Notre Dame, they came downhill on defense, bro. They were making plays. They were hitting Georgia in the mouth in the whole first half, practically the whole first half. And so, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell right now. Is Notre Dame for real or is Georgia overhyped? Or is it a little bit of both, right? Right now, I'm leaning towards a little bit of both, and we'll leave it at that until the season continues on, and, and we'll see more from these teams. But yeah, I'll talk about Georgia. We're getting there. We're a few we're a few ranks at, ranks away. Uh, number six, Ohio State took on Miami. Ohio completely obliterated them. Now I know I use the word obliterating a lot or obliterated, but this was obliteration. 76 to 5 final score pretty much doing what was expected of them to do 
they haven't seen anyone yet, so we still want to we still want to know, right? We still want to know if this Ohio State team is for real. They look for real. Uh, definitely look for real, but we want to see them do it versus uh, a decent a decent Power Five team. And we're going to see that here soon once they get into uh, the thick of things with Big Ten conference play. Moving up to Oklahoma, they had a bye this week, beat up on UCLA a week ago. And uh, so we'll see what happens going into week five. We got number four, LSU. They had Northwestern State beat them up 65-14 a week ago. Um, Took on Vanderbilt this week. Absolutely went off Joe Burrow. I believe he had six touchdowns, 400-something yards. Uh, Final score was 66-38, LSU won. But the more surprising... um, points on the scoreboard was the 38 that Vanderbilt had put up so you know with this defense who I expected to be the best defense in the country uh, given after the first few games after the after the Texas game I was like all right this is just a good Texas team right and then playing today against Vandy giving up 38 now I'm starting to question my decisions starting to question whether or not these guys are for real you know I don't know because if, if you come into, you know, a, a game against Bama and you're going to bring that secondary, you're going to bring that defense, we already know what Tua brings to the table and those wide receivers, you're going to get shredded. And so we'll see, man. They they really need to get their, their themselves cleaned up um, if they're going to continue to compete uh, for the for the SEC. And so we'll see what happens if they can get a bounce back week in week five. I don't know. We'll find out soon. But Joe Burrow still ripping people, um, having a great week. Wide receivers going off. They've always had the talent at wide receiver. Have never had a quarterback to put the ball where it needed to be until 2019. And so we'll, we'll continue to watch LSU as the season moves along. Uh, great performance by the offense, defense, clean it up. Number three, Georgia. This was probably, this was kind of a disappointing showing for me. And I'm not even a Georgia fan, right? Um, they had Arkansas State last week, 55-0. Got Notre Dame, number seven, coming in to Athens, Georgia. In your house, 90,000 plus people. 90,000 plus people in your house. You got Notre Dame at your house. But we got what I feel like Kirby Smart making very conservative calls, really not letting Jake Fromm take this game over in the first half. I I don't know why. That's just how I feel. That's just how I saw it. You're at home. Why don't you want to go out there and dominate these guys? Right? Um the reason I say conservative is because just some of the calls that he made, especially moving to the second half where it was a fourth and one within the Notre Dame territory. I believe it was on the 30-yard line or so, and it was fourth quarter, if I'm correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, it was in the fourth quarter, 90,000 people, your house, who you call the best running back in the country, DeAndre Swift, and who a lot of people have said are the best offensive linemen in the country. So you got the number one running back 
and the number one O-line in the country, and you got a fourth and one in Notre Dame territory, and you kicked a field goal? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that. Because you got to want to go out there and dominate these guys, make a statement on Notre Dame. These are statement games. Of course, they're going to have a lot more games to make these statements. Maybe that's why he played conservative. I don't know. But for me, that was that was just weird. That was a very weird call. And it almost came back to bite them when Notre Dame had two minutes to make a drive. But obviously, um, defense came in clutch, made a play, forced Ian Book to make a throw. But yeah, Georgia... This Notre Dame team allowing 230 yards on the ground, 230 yards on the ground a game, that's what opponents were averaging against them, and they had only played Louisville and New Mexico. So, coming into the game, I believe Georgia was averaging close to 300 yards or so on the ground, um, correct me if I'm wrong, with a stable of running backs that pretty much all of them could be starting at a Division One college this year with like I said a lot who a lot of people called the best O-line in the country and they ended the night with I believe it was under 150 yards on the ground and so I don't know they weren't as dominant as I expected them to be I feel like they could have been if they let Fromm sling it a lot earlier I feel like their wide receivers have were underutilized in this game They've got big-time matchups, uh, mismatches on the outside, especially with Cager, who from, uh, that's where Fromm got the touchdown, and and Cager had made a few other big plays, even before that and after that. The dude is big as hell. He's massive. I don't know how tall he is. He looks about 6'4", 6'5", maybe 200-something pounds. He's going to win those 50-50 balls. They had that mismatch on the outside. Um... Uh, quite often, but they didn't let him sling it until the second half. So I don't know. If you're listening to this, tell me your thoughts. What do you think? Am I wrong? Did this Georgia team not play conservative? Because that's what it looked like to me. Maybe they're just saving it. Maybe they're just pacing themselves. Maybe they're just pacing themselves for this long and, and you know, rigorous SEC slate of games that they have ahead of themselves. I don't know. You guys let me know in the comments. Number two, Alabama, 3-0, South Carolina a week ago, took on Southern Mississippi, cupcake, wiped them out, ate them up as they should. Uh, Moving up to number one, Clemson, Syracuse a week ago, blew them out. Um, Took on Charlotte this week, blew them out. Talk about Bama very quickly. The offensive line is still looking very suspect. I've been saying this since week one. Defense needs to clean clean it up they don't look disciplined out there man they don't look like defenses that we've seen from Bama in the past they look they still look lackadaisical they still look like they're a bit lost and I I understand that because they they've lost a lot of guys to injury on that side of the ball but they need somebody to step up even if they're not in a leadership role and to start to start getting these guys in line because Conference play is right around the corner. I'm pretty sure it's next week. They got Ole Miss, so that should be easy peasy. But once they get into those better teams, this Alabama team could be in trouble. No joke. Um, 
obviously offensively Tua is still slinging it but once they get in uh once they start playing against some better opponents who have some legit defensive linemen they're probably only gonna have to rush three or four to get pressure to him which is gonna leave seven in the secondary so with that said Alabama needs to get it together because right now they do not look like a national championship team as a whole. Obviously, offensively, they've got the talent, they've got the weapons, they've got the guys. But as a team, if this is the team they take to the playoff today, they would have to outscore every single one of their opponents because I don't see them uh, shutting down Clemson. I don't see them shutting down Oklahoma. I don't see them shutting down LSU with the way this defense is playing right now um and so i'll leave it at that they still have a lot of time to get better they're they're young on that side of the ball in certain areas so they're still going through that learning curve but they they need to clean it they need to clean it up they need to get together because the season is moving it's moving fast let's go ahead and talk about the number one team clemson uh had charlotte this week clemson on the other hand kind of the kind of opposite right as far as what we're seeing from them this year their defense is coming in and looking really good I understand they haven't played anyone for real just yet but their defense has been looking phenomenal very fast not as big up front obviously but they got a lot of playmakers in the secondary some very twitchy guys in I forget his name he's a big dude number 11 and then also the safety, Tanner Muse. That guy's big as hell, moves fast as hell. Two scary dudes, number 11, number 19. Stay out of their way or else they're going to light your ass up. But with that being said, uh, we still haven't seen a lot of consistency from Trevor Lawrence. Um, he had a decent game today against Charlotte. I think he had two touchdowns, seven for nine, 90-something yards. And uh, so, yeah, uh, pretty much a big-time blowout. We're going to see that team evolve as the season goes on. But right now, defense looks solid. And whenever you've got a solid defense to depend on, and even though you know Clemson's offense isn't absolutely firing on all cylinders right now, they're, they're going to have that defense to fall back on. And that's not something a lot of teams can say right now. And so with that being said, um, those are all my takeaways for week four. Week five is going to be coming up fast, very fast. But yeah, guys, uh, pretty much covered it all. As always, I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. If you got value from this podcast or or this episode, or if you enjoyed this, please go ahead and bookmark it, start it, subscribe it, whatever it is, uh, depending on the platform you use. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, drop a comment. Um, I'm not just asking you guys to subscribe to my channel or follow me or if I, if I haven't earned it, don't give me it, right? I only want you guys to follow my stuff. If you guys actually like my stuff, if not, tell me why you don't simple enough. All right. All the links are in the description for my podcast, as well as social media accounts. If you guys want to follow me, great. If not, no worries, but I'll always be here posting on a week to week basis with that. Hope you guys all have a great rest of your day, evening, or night. This is Just Another Critic, signing off. Peace.